If you have a Bible with you, we're reading out of Exodus chapter 32. I'm going to read from verses 15 to verses 21. Uh, so I'll just give everybody a second. Again, that was Exodus 32 verses 15 through 21. And it is here on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. And of course, we always get a picture. This will make sense later. But we'll, we'll get to this. Anyway, so starting in the book of Exodus. There we go. Okay. So it says, And Moses turned, and he went down from the mountain, and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides, on the one side, and on the other they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people, as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp, but he said, "It's not the noise, or it is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear." Uh, so it was as soon as he came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tables or the tablets out of his hands, and he broke them at the foot of the mountain. Uh, then he took the calf which they had made, burned it in the fire, and ground it to powder, and he scattered it on the water, and he made the children of Israel drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? Alright, so, first and foremost, every time I've ever talked about Moses, or I've studied Moses, or taught about him, I always think about a guy that I worked with at Denzel because... We would have shift-long conversations about the Bible, and Moses was always thrown in. And he made the comment one day, like, bro, you must be in love with Moses because he's all you talk about. <laughs> but that was like one of them like, things that had an impact on me because I'll always remember that. Every time that I think of Moses, I'm going to think of that comment. I want to think <laughs> of that guy. And the reason I kind of say that is because you know, that had an impact on me. And today's lesson is essentially on impact. Now, kind of... The story frame that we're going on here, at this point in time, uh, Moses had went up on Mount Sinai. He had went here so he could kind of get away from everybody and just pray to God, have some honest time with God. Now, this was the point in time that God would write the Ten Commandments out of the mountain, pull it out of the mountain, and literally hand it to Moses. I mean, this was him, um, just one of those other great big things that, that God chose to do through Moses' life. And I think that's one of the reasons I talk so much about him because God chose to use Moses in so many different ways. And there were so many big, important things that God did throughout the life of Moses. So I think that's why I talk about him so much. Now, you read about the Israelites here, how quickly they gave up hope because Moses had been gone for a few days. He had been, I mean, multiple days up on the mountain and they were losing hope pretty quickly. So uh, they're kind of standing around with each other like, okay, this dude's been gone for a while. What are we going to do? So they're kind of lost. So what they lacked was they lacked patience. They didn't have enough patience to wait on Moses and to figure out what the, ne the, the next step was going to be. Now, a lot of us lack patience. And I'm going to throw Emily into this real fast because last night we're sitting on the couch and she said, what time is it? It says 9.30. And it wasn't long before she said again, what time is it? And I said, it's 9.36. She's like, it's only been six minutes since I asked you. So, like, not much time had passed, but the, the time of reference there and the impatience, and it was because we were getting ready to put Maya to bed. That's essentially what, why she was asking. But it was, we're ready to go to bed. So it became a 
kind of an impatience if I'm ready to go to bed. So it's like, what time is it? And it happens so quickly. Um, the same thing happened with the Israelites. They lost patience with their spiritual leadership, who was Moses. And as a result of their lack of patience, they jumped ship at the very first thing that they could find. And it just happened to come in the form of a golden calf for them. Now, that's not everybody's story, but for them, they found uh, some refuge in a golden calf. Now, I think the, an, an important thing to understand is that the Israelites lost contact with their leadership role. Now, like I said, this was Moses, but I want you to notice what they did. If, when you're reading that scripture, they went to Aaron. Now, if you've read on Moses before, you know that God sent Aaron, which is Moses' brother, along with him. So they looked at Aaron as being just as important as Moses, just as much leadership as Moses. So they went to him and they said, what are we going to do? And Aaron told them, you know, you, you guys are right. You do need a God to think for all this. And he was the one that kind of persuaded them and pushed them to, to build this golden calf. Like he went out, he got supplies for it. So what happened is they couldn't ask Moses, so they asked the next best thing. They asked Aaron. So when Aaron says yes, they associate that Moses probably also would have said yes. But we, we figure out pretty fast that, that that wasn't the case. But the reason I bring that up is that I think a lot of us don't understand our association with our church makes us leadership for our church. Because when we go out and we do things, they, they'll say, oh, well, you got, a, you got a faith encounter, right? And then they look at the things you're doing and the things you're saying, the things you're engaging in, and they say, okay, well, if they do that and they're part of this church... Does everybody else in the church do that? Does everybody else in the church think that way? So you may not realize the leadership that you actually have just by being a member here, just by being an active person in our church. So that's something I, I think is important for us to remember. Now, um, like I said, we found out pretty quickly how Moses felt about the situation and the decision that Aaron made. And what, what we started out reading here was when Moses was coming back down Mount Sinai. And he's hearing the chanting of the Israelite people. And they're chanting over this false god. Now, um, this infuriated Moses so much that he threw down the Ten Commandments and they broke. Now, the significance in that, because I don't think it was ironic, but it was the significance was the very first commandment of the Ten Commandments is what? Put no other god before me. So before... See, look, God just established these commandments. He just wrote them out of a mountain and gave them to Moses and said, go and deliver this to, you, to, to our people. And before he could even deliver it, they'd already broke the first fundamental part of it. They, he didn't even get to the bottom of the mountain and they'd already done it. And so it was a symbolic. He threw down the Ten Commandments and they broke because they'd already broken the Ten Commandments. So it's kind of, it, like it's, it kind of feels ironic, but I think that's a... A really good visual and something that we need to remember that they didn't even make it far before they already messed up, right? Now, um, you kind of go a little bit deeper into it and you find that God got very frustrated with the Israelites. And he starts talking about devouring them. And he, he's very ticked off, for lack of a better word. He's ticked off. And I can understand why. He's like, I, like, bro, I literally just made these commandments and I ain't even told them to you yet and here you are already messing up and breaking them. I get why he's mad. Now, 
When you start looking at the false gods that, that they worship back in this time, one of the most popular and most common false gods that you'll come across is a, a false god with the name spelled B-A-A-L. Now, I've heard it pronounced in many different ways, but the way that I pronounce it, maybe it's just me being Southern, I always say Baal. That's how I've, that's how I've always pronounced it. Now, my Southern slang gave a whole message here because I thought about how many bells we listen to. And the first thing that I, I wanted to uh, focus on, and this is going to make more sense on why I had the picture of Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed going at it, because, and I can't remember which of the Rocky movies it is, but at one of the ending scenes of one of the Rocky movies, you've got Rocky and Apollo in a ring, and they're, about, they're, they're getting ready to square off. Now, this isn't like a championship bout. It wasn't even a, a, a battle for points. They were just in a gym by themselves practicing. Now, the way that this scene kind of unfolds is that you've got Rocky and Apollo in the ring, and Apollo says, hey, man, are you ready? And then Rocky's like, yo, there's no belt, you know? <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so, so he says, I didn't hear no bell. And Apollo does this really corny, like, ding, ding, like the cheesiest thing ever. But he does this, he says ding, ding, and then they start going. And the significance that I found in that is if you've ever been in a boxing gym, walk by one, whatever, every ring just about has a bell on the outside of it. There's a bell associated with each ring. So there was a ring or a bell in the midst. I mean, they were present in the same place as a bell. But they didn't want to go through the effort. I mean, it wouldn't have been so fascinating in the movie if he was like hey man get out of the, uh, of the ring and do the bell like it would have just you know added a bunch of nonsense to it but for many of us we'll be in the middle of our battle and there's the bell that we're waiting to hear in our midst but sometimes there's nobody there to ring it and sometimes it's our decision to say ding ding and that the, the reason I, I go into that is because this is exactly what happened with the israelites Moses was gone. There was nobody there to ring the bell to tell them the decision to make. They go to Aaron, and they're trying their best to find something. But if someone in that leadership, and it should have been Aaron, but it wasn't. If somebody had said, you know what? We followed the God of Abraham for this long. We followed the God that, that, that Moses has been telling us to follow for this long. Why don't we keep doing that? If somebody would have taken the leadership and said, ding, ding, then they wouldn't have... You know, had all this happen with the golden calf and Moses coming down and like shattering the Ten Commandments. Like none of that would have happened. Like somebody should have taken the leadership, but nobody did. Now, um, that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of us are just waiting around. We're waiting for that bell, but sometimes it's just our responsibility to take that leap of faith. Because that's what that's why the Bible talks about that taking leaps of faith. Because it's important that we understand that sometimes God's not going to give us such a straight-on answer. Sometimes it takes that leap of faith to understand what God's telling us to do. Now, um, like I said, how, like, how boring would that movie have ended if it was just like, I didn't hear no bell, and Apollo's like, yep, let's just go home. <laughs> like, <laughs> the movie wouldn't have ended so exciting because I... What that movie done, like what that scene was, when they went and you had that freeze frame, like I had the tiger starts blaring and it like got you pumped up for the next movie. Like you, you were excited, like you wanted to just go right into the next movie. Now for the people then, like they still had to wait another year, 
We could just pop in the DVD and watch the next one. But it got them pumped up for it, right? Now, a lot of us, like, we, we're not pumped up for what God's trying to get us to do next. We're not getting excited about what God's trying to do in our life. And uh, a lot of people settle with just getting out of the ring and going home. They don't have that Eye of the Tiger soundtrack. They have more of the uh, old, do y'all ever see the like, dog rescue commercials in the arms of an angel? Like That's some of our soundtracks because it's like we feel so sorry for ourselves and we want everybody else to feel sorry for us. But if we would just start taking more proactive steps towards God and we'd have that Eye of the Tiger soundtrack, we're getting excited for what God's doing in our life, there's going to be benefits from that. And other people are going to be benefited from that. So essentially, we have two options. We have fight or we have flight. Now, Rocky and Apollo went for fight, but a lot of us go for flight, which leads me to the second kind of bail, which is B-A-I-L. A lot of us bail out when things get hard. A lot of us want to run just as, just as fast as it gets harder. We bail out on God. We bail out on the mission that he set uh, on our lives. And... Um, you know, sometimes being quick is a good thing. Being quick on your feet is good, but it's not always the best option. Because sometimes being quick on your feet will lead to cockiness. It's like, oh, I can get away from this situation pretty fast, but that's not always going to be the case. Now, going back to boxing analogies for a minute. I, uh, one of the most well-known boxers of all time is a guy named Muhammad Ali. Now, this dude was not very fast. Just straightforward. He was a slow dude. He was boring to watch. And any time I ever got a boxing game, I hated this dude. Because all this dude done was just danced around, and he had, like, the longest arms I've ever seen. So he'd just do this every so often, and he would just wear down his opponent. But he was staying active in his fight. He didn't run away. He just stayed there. He kind of danced around. He wore the other person out. Sometimes we just have to stay present in the battle. So, like Some of us are just going crazy, just throwing punches every, left and right. Sometimes we just got to dance around and make the devil get wore out. Let the demons of our life get wore out. Let them wear down. And every so often we throw a jab in the right place in the right time when God tells us to do it, and it will be the knockout. But see, he was, like, he's still one of the most known, most iconic boxers of all time. And um, I say he, he would just always stay present. And I, like, I almost think about his, like, like when he's training. Like, what do you do, just footwork all the time? Because it's like, <laughs> he wasn't fast. Like, there was no speed work going into it. But the thing is, he, he was just constantly moving. Sometimes we just have to move. Now, uh, this also kind of, um, hang on. Here we go. Sorry. Revert for a second. If we stand still like a lot of people do without, without moving around, like how Muhammad Ali done, we're a sitting duck for the devil to punch us over and over again. And if we're not constantly moving, we're going to come imprisoned by the grip of the devil. Because if he can just keep going and wear us out, we become imprisoned to him. And it brings me to the next kind of bail. Because when somebody goes to jail, they're usually sentenced a bail. It's a price that has to be paid in order for them to get out of jail. Now, that's something that has to be paid before they can be free. See, many of us are still held under a bell that the devil set on us. And we think that there's no option of escaping that bell. And we act like we don't know how to escape it. And for everybody that's on TikTok, you're into the thick of it. Like, yes! <laughs> so that, 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 and that's what we stay. We stay in the thick of the, uh, 
of that bondage. We say in the thick of that imprisonment. And uh, the Bible teaches us that we don't have to stay in that bondage because John 3.16 is the exact representation of exactly what Jesus done for us. And he came and he died so that we could be free from that bondage. And I've got, most of us probably know John 3.16, but it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is our get out of jail free card. Now, it's not get out of jail free in the aspect of it didn't cost anything because it cost Jesus his life. But it's get out of jail free, meaning I can finally be free from these burdens. I can finally be free from this imprisonment that has held me down for so long. So it's getting out of jail and finally being free in the name of Christ. You know, I've seen a Facebook post uh, from Louis Giglio. And it was a quote that said that the devil will try to define you by your scars. But Jesus wants to define you by his scars. And it, it, it this makes me think of the scriptures and the, and the sayings like, By his stripes I am healed, and because he lives I can live also. And I can love only why? Because he first loved uh, us. And so the pattern in these kinds of messages is that God's trying to teach us to rely on him rather than ourselves. Because just going, by, going through that again, by his stripes, by what he done, I am healed. Because he lives that means I can live also. Because he loved first, now I can also love. So that pattern is relying on God, not ourselves. So the thing is, if it were just me in this room tonight, who would I have to teach, right? <laughs> My purpose for tonight would not be fulfilled if nobody was here to hear what God had given me to teach, right? If it weren't for Emily, Maya wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have the family that I have. See, something great begins to happen when you start allowing other people in your life. And it brings me to another kind of bell because so many of us want to stay individual all the time. It's all about me, all about me, all about me. But one single piece of hay by itself has little to no significance ever. But you get a, a bell of hay together, you've got significance in the bell of hay. So when you, the more people you allow into your bell, if you will the more impact you're going to have on the world around you. The more significance you have in the world around you because you're together as a team. But you have to be willing to allow other people in your belt. And uh, one thing we have to be careful about with this is that some people take that bell of hay and they let that become replacing of God. And let me emphasize on that because... What ends up happening is more people start caring more about church than they care about God. They start caring more about, oh, the pastor, what the pastor says, what the pastor wants, rather than, oh, God, what God wants, what God says. Some of us let that bell become our God. And some examples that we've probably heard over time is, well, we're on vacation. Nobody from church will know. Right? We've heard that. And we've heard people say, well, it would be bad if somebody from church walked up right now. If somebody from church saw what I was doing, if somebody from church saw what I was drinking, because those are the people that's allowed the bell, the church, to become their only conviction. They don't let God convict them anymore. They only feel guilty if somebody from church sees them. If somebody from, huh? Right. Yeah, that's it. So many people, though, that's their only conviction. God is not their conviction anymore. And there's an issue with that. Because... 
Church conviction just makes you feel guilty. Like if somebody from church sees you, you're like, oh man, I wish they hadn't seen me. Sorry, I was caught. But God conviction actually changes you. Because when God convicts you, you're really going to change. And some personal examples, just from being a younger preacher in general, from going to different churches, and none of this stuff has happened here. Let me go ahead and like put that out now. This stuff hasn't happened here. I'm just giving some examples. I've had church people talk about my tattoos. I've had church people talk down on preachers using notes. I like using notes. I, like, you, you, I mean, notes help you keep succinct right. on the same path throughout. But, like, you may go left and right, but you're not going to turn around. Exactly. But that's it. Like, I've, I've had preachers say stuff about using notes and talk down on preachers for using notes. I've had church people decide that they didn't like my preaching style and never asked me to come back. And, um, <laughs> but that was church conviction, right? That was just what church people said. Because look, I still have tattoos. <laughs> I still pre. I, I kept preaching at other churches until I found one that wanted me, right? I kept preaching. Those people that told me that they didn't like my preaching style did not stop me from preaching. I still feel God's spirit when I use newer versions of the Bible. <laughs> because that, that's another thing. There's a lot of people that if you don't use, oh, King James only. Like, listen, and I get it. Like, I've been there. Like, I've been in that mindset before. But there's some people that if you use anything else, if you study with anything else you've ever read, you're not a preacher. Right? Oh, my gosh. Like, listen. You do not love God. <laughs> but I still... I still feel God's spirit while studying out of other versions of the Bible, while preaching out of other versions of the Bible. And all those people's opinions about me did not change me, right? I still am becoming the man and the preacher and the father and the husband that God has made me to be. What God says about me, what God wants me, that's what matters. God conviction is what matters because none of that changed me. But when God said, I want you to stop drinking, I stopped. When God said, I'm calling you to be a preacher, I ran from it, but eventually I accepted it. When God says something, when God convicts you, something actually starts happening. So we have to learn to recognize God's voice. And, uh, Maddie, I'll get to you in a minute. Um, Emily and I were just talking about Maya's vocabulary. We were talking about how when she doesn't know the word for something, she'll just go like, blah, 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 blah. Like, like the whole sentence makes sense, but then she gets to that one word and it's like, da, 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 right? Sounds like a car starting. <laughs> but, like, she knows most of the words that she wants to say. And she'll, she'll put whole sentences together. She'll say, Mama or Daddy, I'm hungry. I want to eat. And, like, we'll, we'll understand those sentences. But then there's things that I understand that she says that y'all wouldn't understand what that she's saying. Like, when she comes up and she says, Daddy, I want games. I know that that means I want to get your phone and watch videos. If she said it to somebody else, they're going to be like, oh, Monopoly. Like, no. She's not one to actually play games. She's one to watch videos. But, like, I've learned that because that's my daughter. And I know, I, I know how she communicates to me. And what happens, we're, we're, I want to turn to Scripture here. But when I learn how she communicates, that's what we have to do with God. The Bible says in John 10, 27... That my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
See, sometimes the way that God communicates, only we will understand it. There's a lot of other people that if God says something, they don't understand it the same way that you're going to understand it. If God tells you to do something, you'll have other people say, I don't think God's telling you to do that. If he's telling you to do it, like, you know, like, you know, that's his voice. You know, that's him and you have to follow him. Now, you're only going to know God's voice if you know God. You can't follow a voice that you don't believe in. You can't follow a voice that you've not submitted to. So with Maya, I've learned to use context clues. I give the little bit of information she gives me, and I figure out what she wants. And sometimes that's what God does. He'll give us certain things, and we have to use context clues to figure out what he's telling us to do, which goes back to taking leaps of faith. He'll give us just enough and make us figure it out because it helps to build us. You know, sometimes we'll pray things like, God, why am I not happy? And maybe he says home. And he's like, oh, that means I need a bigger home. No, <laughs> he's not saying you need a bigger home. Sometimes he's saying, make sure that you're happy with your home life and then you'll be happy. Because for a lot of people, that, that's what a lot of stuff comes down to. Maybe they're not happy at home. Maybe they're not happy with how things are going. But if you would find happiness and find peace there, that's going to bring you happiness all around. You know, sometimes I think some of us need a good holy slap from God. Like, like, because we are so stubborn and we don't listen because God will give us answers. And instead of using his knowledge, we'll use our knowledge. Instead of using his vision, we'll use our vision. That's why the Bible says lean not on your own understanding. Because when God tells us to do something, we're like, oh, well, this is what I want. Like, it doesn't matter what you want. It matters what God wants and where God's trying to lead you. Now, I had an email come through. I think this was actually, this was two days ago because I was, I was doing a service. My phone vibrated. I pulled it out. I had an email from a Christian organization. and It said favored women. But for whatever, my, whatever reason, my mind thought it said flavored women. <laughs> and I was, I was scared to open the email because I thought, what in the world is flavored women? And do I, I don't want to know. Now, after a minute of looking at it, I realized it says favored women. But the point of that is, is sometimes even when God tells us exactly what he's wanting us to see, our mind will see something else. He'll say, I want you to do this. And you're like, oh, you mean this? Like sometimes he'll still give it to us straightforward, but we still misinterpret it. And that's another issue we run into. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, most of us were at the pool party at Mike and Michelle's house. Now... You learn very quickly that I can't swim worth the crap. <laughs> now, I love to swim, but I just can't really swim. I thought I could swim better than I can because I'm used to the pool water coming up to barely pass my waist. But as soon as I got into the deep end of their pool, I realized I can't swim. <laughs> and I was like doing whatever I could to try to keep my head above the water. I'm used to a more shallow pool. So once I lost foundation, I started to, to feel like I was drowning. I, I wasn't drowning, but if I hadn't kept fighting, I would have drowned. See, there's a lot of people that's in the pool looking like the rest of everybody, but you look like you can swim. You're hanging out in the water, but you're in the shallow end. But when it comes to when it only relies on your ability to swim, you're going to drown. <laughs> and that's where so many people are. There's a lot of people who are just in the pool. But they have no idea why they're in the pool. They don't know the understanding of why they're there. They don't have reasoning or purpose of why they're there. A lot of people love the attention of church people. They're in the church. They're in the pool. 
But they lack understanding of, hey, I'm here for God. I'm here to learn about God. I'm here to, to soak in what His Word says. Church goes far beyond the four walls that we have around us. And, man, Michael like was on it. He was sending me videos and I'm just pinpointing exactly what has been on my heart for, for this week. He sent me videos exactly talking about getting outside of the four church walls. Because the church does go beyond our church campus. Church goes beyond what we, what we gather together on a weekly basis or two, two, two times a week basis. It goes beyond this. Because church is the body of believers. It's not the building. It's what we're doing every day in our lives. And I'm going to kind of, before we end into discussion, and uh, I kind of want to do something a little different because um, I don't think we've done this down here before. Um, I just want honest answers. So I think, well, well, how I want to do this, I just want everybody to close their eyes. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very excited. I'm not going to say No, no. That, but no, but um, guys, I want everybody to close their eyes. It's not, not look around because I want an honest answer from everybody. How many of y'all are still in jail? How many of you are still imprisoned by the devil's hold? Who needs that get out of jail free card? Who needs the opening of God's love poured into you and to know the freedom because if you're not there and you need it like this is the opportunity to get it and i mean this is just honest honest feedback time if you don't know that you're where you need to be with god we need to get there so what we're going to do is i'm going to just walk us through finding the relationship This is what, I'm just going to walk through finding the relationship with Christ. Number one, because I, I'm not one of those that says repeat after me. I, I, I've never been that person because it needs to be an honest prayer. God wants honesty. He wants you to be honest with him. So the pinpoints are, number one, you have to realize that you are a sinner and that you don't deserve God. You don't deserve his love, but he still chose to send his son to die for you. And the next thing that he wants you to understand is that you honestly have to give everything to him. If you hold something back from him, he knows it. You may hide it from everybody else, but he knows if you hold back. So if you hold anything back, that's, that's a barrier between you and your salvation. So he wants you to give it to him. So I, I, I'm just going to kind of go into how, how I done this when I got saved. I opened up to God. And as I opened up to God, and I, I began to say, Lord, I know that I am not worthy of the love that you have for me. And I, he began to show me things that I've done in my life, things that I've done against him. And these things begin to pour out and pour out and pour out. And you'll start remembering things that you've done against God. And that what this, this isn't God trying to make you feel bad. This is God reminding you of how much you need him. So be honest and open up to him and say, God, I am sorry. Because that's what repentance is. Repentance is being truly sorry in your heart for doing God wrong, for departing from God. So repent for everything that you've done against him. And then you have to honestly want change. 
you have to really want him to change your heart. Because without the change, nothing's happened. If you walk out the same way you were already and you don't, t- you don't let God keep all of it, then you didn't give it to him. He wants you to give it to him honestly. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and this is your opportunity to pray. And if you need that get-out-of-jail-free card, you need to walk out of the bondage, you need to walk out of all that stuff that, that's holding you down, this is your moment. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this time together tonight. Lord, I ask that if there be anyone in here tonight that does not know you, Lord, that you would release those chains from them, Lord, that you would take off the burdens that they're dealing with, Lord, that you would help them to understand the burdens that they have and the things that they've done against you, Lord. Help them to understand that and help to relieve them from that, Lord. I ask that you would wrap your arms around them, that you would pour your love into them, show them the love that you have and how much love it takes to die for them, Lord. So, God, I just ask that you would continue to guide us all and to be with us all lord forgive us for everything we've done and lord just change us change our hearts change our mindsets renew our hearts renew our minds and help us to go forward in new mindsets and new love and a new salvation lord i know you're here tonight and i feel like you're working on someone so lord i ask that you would walk them through this and that you would pour your love into them Lord, I love you, thank you, and trust you. And all these things I ask in Jesus' precious holy name I pray. Amen.